Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about healthcare cybersecurity, how to simplify compliance and avoid data breaches. It's my pleasure to be speaking today with David Holding. He's the Director of Healthcare Privacy and Security with Intel Health and Life Sciences. David, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. Thanks for joining me. Likewise, Tom. Thanks for the opportunity. So, David, you recently conducted some healthcare security readiness research based on the workshops you're holding on the same topic. What were some of the key findings as they relate specifically to cybercrime hacking? Some of the things we're seeing in the security readiness program, you know, cybercrime hacking is one of the top priorities. And um, just, just to level set before we show some of the actual numbers, any types of breaches, including cybercrime hacking, they, they tend to affect organizations that are lagging in security and relatively vulnerable. The, the challenge has been, even if you do your regulatory compliance well, you know, per HIPAA, your security standards work well, you know, NIST or whatever security framework you're using, these don't necessarily tell the organization how their security compares with peers in the industry and whether they're lagging. So that's really where the uh, security readiness program adds value. It enables the organizations to benchmark their security against peers in the industry, see if they're lagging, and if so, where, you know, what capabilities. And that can enable the security teams to rally support and, you know, prioritize gaps for remediation. So this is actually an open industry collaboration. High Trust is one of our key partners. There's about 40 partners working globally to scale this. And so far, we have 144 health and life sciences organizations participating. So some really good benchmark data. Now, out of that data, cybercrime hacking is actually the second highest priority after ransomware. Ransomware sort of eclipsed all the, all the breach types after 2016, and people are still grappling with it. But cybercrime hacking is still very much a top concern. It's, it's number two out of eight. We're seeing some alarming numbers in terms of cybercrime hacking readiness of organizations. Readiness in this case is defined as what percentage of security capabilities that are relevant to mitigating risk of cybercrime hacking do organizations have. So if you can imagine there are about 20 or so key security safeguards that are relevant to mitigating risk of cybercrime hacking, you know, the percentage of those 20 that organizations have across the 144 ranges from 21% to 93%. So what we're seeing is a huge range of readiness across healthcare organizations. So there's many organizations that are lagging. Those ones that, you know, 21%, for example, they have very few of the capabilities necessary to mitigate risk of cybercrime hacking, and they're, they're relatively vulnerable uh, to this kind of breach. So, David, when you look at readiness, what do you learn from the high percentages? And then my follow-up is, what is average when it comes to readiness? Yeah, so the high percentages, if we're talking about readiness, you know, these are the organizations that are ahead of the pack, if you will. If you can picture sort of healthcare organizations as a herd, there's the ones that have most of the capabilities and they're leading the pack. They're not lagging. They're, they're not relatively vulnerable. The ones that have few capabilities are lagging the pack. They're sort of relatively vulnerable to cybercrime hacking predators, if you will. That's what the, the, the sort of high numbers versus the low numbers tell us. Now, there's, there's other numbers that uh, we can also discuss around the level of implementation of key security safeguards. That's really the kind of data we get out of this, this program and that organizations learn is how does their security compare with, with peers in the industry? Are they lagging? 
if so, specifically where, and they can factor that into their, you know, future activities along with their regulatory compliance, security standards compliance. They can use this benchmark information to prioritize and, and rally support. Because a lot of times what they're lacking is, you know, the security teams have a long list of things they could do. They don't lack ideas. Sometimes they lack perspective on priority, what to work on next. But more often than not, what they lack is the resources and, you know, funding really to address the gaps. And so this can be used by those teams to rally support to address gaps. You know, if they go to their stakeholders and say, hey, cybercrime hacking, this is a major concern. We have a gap in audit and compliance. We're lagging our peers. This is relevant to HIPAA. This is relevant to NIST, whatever, you know, frameworks and regulations or data protection laws they comply with. That can be a simple but powerful argument to rally support to allocate the resources and funding to address the gaps and move forward in terms of improving security posture. Tom, one of the things I want to share as well is, you know, one of the the capabilities we measure out of this program is audit and compliance. And that's one of the the key capabilities that's sort of benchmarked. And across the 144 healthcare organizations, we're seeing a level of implementation of audit and compliance at 59%, which is quite shocking. It's it's quite low. I mean, that's that's just over half of organizations' level of implementation of, of audit and compliance. So clearly, this is a major gap. It's it's one of the two weakest points in the what we call the baseline tier of maturity. These are sort of foundational security controls. So audit and compliance is definitely something that needs to be addressed in general across the entire health and life sciences industry. We need to strengthen that. That's particularly important in you know virtualized cloud environments. A lot of folks moving to cloud now and um, need to make sure that we have the necessary security in place and that we are compliant with regulations, with data protection laws, with security standards that we adhere to. So when it, when it comes to audit and compliance in the cloud and virtualized environments, high trust crowd control is actually a really good solution that can help address that gap and automate the, the audit and compliance. The other gap I want to talk about is um, security incident response plans. These are documented plans that, that organizations use in the event of a breach. Let's say an organization has a security incident. They suspect a cybercrime hacking has occurred. This is the documented plan that they use to coordinate internal communications, external communications, you know, whether it's regulatory authorities, whether it's data protection authorities, the media, the patients, security partners, PR, etc. But then internally, all the different teams, uh, these documents, these security uh, incident response plans are incredibly important. However, we're only seeing, you know, a level of implementation of security incident response plans of 62% which is low. I mean, that's less than two thirds. So that's definitely a, a big weak point that needs to be worked on. And, you know, within that, that incident response plan, having the right call outs, for example, to digital forensics and so forth, a pretty important thing to do. So if you're on a security team in, in a health and life sciences organization and you don't have a security incident response plan documented and that you use uh, for every incident, that's definitely uh, something to work on. David, help me to level set the threat landscape today as you look at the underground. What's the value of a stolen healthcare record today? And when you look at, I guess you call the overground, what would you say is the average cost of a healthcare breach? Um, the average cost of a healthcare breach is sitting around, according to the Panaman numbers, the 2017 cost of a data breach, Panaman numbers are out now. It's sitting around 3.62 million, and that's a cross-industry number, uh, inclusive of healthcare, but not only healthcare. Uh, but one of the things they break out is the cost per patient record, or the per capita cost, as they call it. 
and healthcare actually has the highest per capita cost, or in our case, the per patient you know record cost of the breach, sitting at $380 per patient record compromised. So, you know, when you get up into the hundreds of thousands of records or millions of records, that can get to be a very big number. So clearly, you know, something that, that all organizations should avoid having a breach and they should be doing everything possible to, to avoid a breach. You know, security is one of those things. It's a cost, right? Uh, but it's, it's a cost that will grow if it's not properly addressed or adequately mitigated. Risk is never zero, but, you know, it's, it's one of those costs that need to be addressed proactively, not wait until a breach has occurred. And even if you have cyber insurance, that is one part of a holistic sort of defense in depth approach, if you will. Uh, but just having the insurance is not good enough, right? Because it can, you know, tarnish reputation and cause sort of ir- irreparable damage in that way. You know, uh, patients, they're holding healthcare to, to a higher standard in terms of protecting their, their data. It's, it's very sensitive data. What, what a lot of folks miss is it's often a superset of their financial data as well. You know, their payment information's in there, their medical insurance information, but then all kinds of other information, personally identifiable information, date of birth, you know, address information, contact information, identifying information like social security numbers. This is very sensitive information. It's, it's lucrative. It's open to a variety of different kinds of abuse, from identity theft to medical insurance fraud to financial fraud to prescription fraud. And, and that's why the cost of a patient record on the black market is quite high. It's, it's at least 10 times as high as the value of a, um, a credit card alone. And it's because of all the different ways it can be abused. And, you know, Unlike a credit card number, which can just be changed if it's suspected to be stolen or lost, your medical information can't just be changed like that. So the the period of abuse can be much longer than a, a credit card number for that reason. But one of the trends I think we need to keep an eye on is that according to a recent report by TrapX, the value of a healthcare record on the black market is now up to about $10. So the cost of a stolen credit card on the black market is about a dollar. So it's still about 10x as high, but actually the cost of a medical record is down from recent years. You know, in 2012, a a study was done by the World Privacy Forum that put the value around $50. And one of the trends they attribute this declining value of a, a medical record on the black market is that criminals are increasingly shifting their efforts from stealing data to spreading ransomware. Ransomware is immediately disruptive. Healthcare is a soft target and they're intolerant to disruption. So when they get infected by ransomware, they tend to pay relatively quickly, and that enables the hackers to monetize very quickly, right? They don't need to steal the data and then go and sell it. You know, selling it is a dangerous thing. You know, any hack's dangerous, but selling it on the black market's dangerous. They can get caught doing that, whereas with ransomware, they get immediate payoff. And with Bitcoin, for example, the anonymity can help them avoid being caught at least. Take a step back. What's the fundamental advice you offer organizations now to avoid being victims of cybercrime hacking? So for healthcare organizations, I think one of the most important things is really need to shift the playing field. Uh, and, and not that it's a playing field, it's not a game, right? This is very serious and it's degrading patient trust and, and frankly, the, the quality of patient care and patient safety in many cases where disruption occurs. But, you know, we need to change the playing field in terms of rather than individual healthcare organizations facing these these risks and these threats alone, there needs to be a collaboration, right? It needs to be faced as a team. If you're in a health and life sciences organization, you're on a security team and you are not participating in an information sharing forum like 
InfraGuard Cyber Health Working Group like NHISAC, you really need to join one of these groups to share threat information, share vulnerability information, share best practices on you know, mitigating risk and some of the softer things to make things security effective, like cultural challenges and user awareness training challenges. But there needs to be better collaboration and information sharing. Now, as part of that, strongly encourage organizations to benchmark yourself. You need to know if you're lagging. You need to know if you're relatively vulnerable. This is very important beyond just what you do for regulations, data protection laws, security standards. Those are all good and necessary and important. You need to do those. But it's increasingly important to understand where you stand relative to peers in the industry. This is because a lot of the breach types, including cybercrime hacking, including ransomware, and even internal breaches like insider you know, accidents or workarounds, they tend to affect organizations that are lagging in security and relatively vulnerable. This is especially true of opportunistic or untargeted attacks, like we've seen with some, some of the ransomwares and, and some of the cybercrime hacking starts this way with phishing emails broadcast out see who gets infected, monetize whoever gets infected. These kind of untargeted broadcast opportunistic attacks, they tend to affect organizations that are lagging in security and relatively vulnerable. So therein lies the importance of understanding, are you lagging? If you are lagging in your security, where specifically, what gaps do you have that are not common across your peer set, that are not common across the industry? With that information, you know, that can help prioritize future initiatives with the security team. It can also be used to rally supportive stakeholders to allocate resources necessary to address the gaps. And the whole theme here is proactive remediation of gaps, right? Bolster your security posture, mitigate residual risk to minimize the risk of cybercrime hacking, for example. Dave, let's talk about technology for a minute here. What are some of the specific security controls you recommend healthcare organizations deploy? Yeah, well, we talked about auditing compliance before and the importance of that in the sort of cloud and virtualized environments and how high trust cloud control can help. Um, what I'd add to that is encryption. It's, it's still one of the best things that can be done to protect confidentiality, right? And um, when it comes to encryption, you want to make sure that encryption doesn't degrade performance. It doesn't impact usability significantly or productivity or efficiency. And so high trust data control can help encrypt VMs and data. And it makes use of hardware enhanced security under the hood that can accelerate the encryption, minimize the performance impact, maximize the usability, for example. It also hardens the encryption, right? Because if the, if the core of the encryption is being done down at the hardware level, it's much more resilient to sophisticated malware that can uh, seek to compromise the encryption through things like sophisticated side channel attacks. So it does the acceleration, the hardening. The other thing is, you know, the, the hardware accelerated encryption is often baked in. So it's in the silicon. It's in, it's in a lot of, a lot of folks have this in their hardware already. So it's not something extra they have to buy. It's not an extra, you know, software module. It's not an extra sort of hardware card or module they need to buy. It's baked in. So it reduces the cost. So, you know, Intel AESNI, Advanced Encryption Standard New Instructions, for example, is hardware enhance encryption, again, for high performance hardening and, and lower cost. The key management is also a big concern, right? And cybercrime hacking, we talked about how phishing can be the initial sort of point of intrusion. Once a user clicks and, you know, hopefully user awareness training programs, most users will not click, but there's going to be some user somewhere that's going to click 
and it only takes one, right? And then the, the drive-by download of malware occurs, key logging occurs, and, and that key logging is re- really looking for credentials. It's looking for keys, right? Usernames and passwords, for example, especially of database administrators. And, and then, you know, the attacker can use that to log into the database and start exfiltrating data low and slow to evade detection. So protecting keys is, is incredibly important and high trust solutions can also help with that. And, and they are you know, integrated with technologies such as Intel key protection technology to protect keys down to the hardware level to make them resilient even to very sophisticated malware. David, beyond security, how can these strategies and solutions also help healthcare organizations to improve their readiness for HIPAA and even GDPR compliance? Yeah, so holistic protection, we've got to protect confidentiality, integrity, and availability. The integrity of data and systems, not just the integrity of data, we've got to make sure our systems are clean. But do the regulations, risk assessments, for example, really important uh, documenting risk assessments and doing these regularly, annually, very important still. A lot of folks still not doing these well. Uh, According to the benchmark data coming out of the um, security readiness program, only 56% of organizations are doing regular risk assessments and, you know, annually and documenting them. 32% working on getting to that level. 13% have never done a risk assessment. So, you know, risk assessment is one of the key things you can do to, you know, list out your risks, of course, but uh, prioritize them according to business impact, uh, probability of occurrence. That really helps you to to prioritize activities and uh, intelligently allocate your limited budget and resources. You know, that's always the fundamental constraint is the available budget and and sort of resources and time really to to, uh, address gaps and and bolster security and, and remediate residual risk. So risk assessments can really help with that. GDPR, you know, deadline looming May next year, May 2018, whether you're an organization in the, in Europe and you need to comply with this or whether you're a multinational and you have European sort of citizen data, you could be uh, held GDPR compliance and the penalties are steep for non-compliance. So um, this is very important to keep, keep an eye on. If you are held to GDPR and you're found to be non-compliant, I believe it can be up to 4% of gross revenue. So it could be a, a, a staggering amount for any health and life sciences organization. So be proactive. HIPAA, we have the random audits going on with the OCR still. You know, you want to make sure you're, you're compliant. So regulatory and data protection law compliance, very important in addition to benchmarking. Now, one of the ways that benchmarking can, can really help is... The Security Readiness Program, this is a one-hour confidential complimentary workshop that Intel and HITRUST do and, and many other partners worldwide. We've done 144 across uh, nine countries to date, including many in Europe, uh, the UK, France, Germany, Sweden, uh, Ireland, and many more to come. But these workshops, just an hour of time, what comes out of it is a report that shows you how you compare with peers in the industry are you lagging? If so, where? You know, what capabilities are you lagging and implementing? This report also maps the gaps to uh, HIPAA, to GDPR, and, and other regulations, data protection laws, and security standards. That enables the security team to see, okay, I have this gap. I see how I stand relative to my peers. This is how it's relevant to HIPAA. This is how it's relevant to GDPR. And that can really be used, again, to, to prioritize and, and rally support to address gaps. 
Now, doing the risk assessments, doing the regulatory compliance, data protection law compliance, doing the benchmarking, we need to, again, protect confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um, confidentiality is often the first thing people think about. Often it's equated to security. Confidentiality and or you know preventing unauthorized access, like in cybercrime hacking, is incredibly important. But prior to ransomware, a lot of folks, you know, availability was was kind of secondary, right? Um, availability, incredibly important to to maintain timely and reliable access to data. What ransomware has taught us that if if you know availability of data is compromised in the case of ransomware because it's encrypted and the decryption key is withheld for ransom, you know, that's immediately disruptive and um, very damaging to an organization, direct threat to patient safety. But integrity is incredibly important as well, right? Integrity of data and of systems. And so we really need to make sure we protect the integrity. And the integrity is ensuring the data is accurate, complete, and up-to-date and hasn't been sort of fiddled with. One of the tools that really helps with this in a, in a cloud and virtualized environment is high-trust cloud control, which makes use of uh, Intel TXT or trusted execution technology. Now, TXT down to the hardware level can, you know, ensure the, the cleanliness, if you will, of the stack right up to the hypervisors. So, you know, BIOS, firmware, hypervisor, during boot, measures them, compares the measurements to known good states stored in trusted non-volatile storage. If there is a discrepancy, you know, there could be malware in that stack. And if you're running a, a workload on a, on a VM in a virtualized environment and part of the low levels of that stack are compromised with malware, then, you know, that, that data is, is at high risk. So protecting the integrity of the systems and the data is very important. And um, that's something to factor into your risk assessment. And it's something to keep an eye on uh, in, in, you know, benchmarking is if you're lacking uh, security controls that protect integrity, take a careful look at those and make sure that you're making every effort to address those gaps. David, for individuals who would like to participate in one of the healthcare security readiness workshops, where can they go to get more information? Security readiness program, there is a page for this on intel.com. If you just go to intel.com slash security readiness, all one word, security readiness, you can find their concise overview of the program, like a two-page overview. You can see a sample report. It's a very data-rich, detailed report. There's a sample there. It's about 50 pages long. You can see what you would get if you participate. You can see the up-to-date global healthcare industry results. You can see some of the numbers we talked about today and the priorities, the level of implementation of capabilities, the relevance to frameworks including HIPAA and, and GDPR, et cetera. And of course, uh, you can sign up there to uh, participate in the security readiness workshop. We have done group security readiness workshops already with the InfraGuard Cyber Health Working Group. This is the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Forum coordinated by the FBI. We have done group security readiness workshop already with NHISAC, and multiple health and life sciences organizations have participated through those uh, forums. So um, look out for group security readiness workshops. If you would like to talk to us about an individual security readiness workshop, uh, either from Intel or High Trust, reach out to us at security readiness, again, one word, just security readiness at intel.com. We'd be happy to circle back with you. Again, this is a one hour, so lightweight in terms of time commitment. It can be done uh, virtually, so via WebEx, for example. It is confidential. That data is, is used for the purpose of benchmarking only is not shared and um, is maintained with high confidentiality. So encryption at rest and in transit, the actual reports at the PDF level are encrypted and keys are shared with you security out of band. 
but um, do reach out to us. Uh, it is complimentary. There's no charge for the workshop or the report that comes out of it. There's no obligation. But of course, if you do have gaps in your security and you would like the help of high trust of Intel, that would be something we'd be happy to help you with. And David, I should mention as well, to learn more about many of the high trust solutions you talked about in the course of this discussion, listeners can visit www.hightrust.com slash healthcare. David, I want to thank you for your time and your insight today. Thanks very much, Tom. We've been talking about healthcare security to simplify compliance and to avoid data breaches. And I've been speaking with David Holding. He's the director of healthcare privacy and security with Intel Health and Life Sciences. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.